Greetings and welcome again to Bombadil's Porch. I'm Chris Martin. I'm here with Caleb Klontz and Nate Larimore, and we are three Christian fathers enjoying the view of God's Word and God's world together. We've got a bit of a special episode today as we prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving. It'll be tomorrow from our perspective of when we're recording. It'll probably be Thanksgiving Day when this uh, episode goes live. And so we do have a special conversation planned on this, the 397th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving dinner. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. So we're coming up on a big wow. anniversary here wow. in three years. So that'll be that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many turkeys have died. Well, they say it was likely that there were no actual turkeys consumed at the first Thanksgiving. Probably so. Yeah. There's a great movie about that. Caleb, have you seen that? It's a kid's movie. What's that called? Free Birds or something like that? It's an animated about the turkeys go back in time to try to save all turkeys. <laughs> you know, instead, they start having pizza. Oh. <laughs> I, oh. I, don't, I don't think I've seen that one. All right, check if that there out. Is, uh, there's a really cool video on our Facebook say, page, though. very uh, free-looking birds. <laughs> <laughs> running around. Cavorting. Great plug. So yeah. on our Facebook page, we have what? We've you, we've launched a, I wanna, a, I a wanna video for our viewers. any involvement in this before. <laughs> yeah. It actually was posted. To, to, to be honest, uh, ne- neither of you were, were willing participants. You were, yeah. you were my Facebook face is all over it. Uh, yeah, well, know. you what put is it on this Facebook. Treachery, this flim flammery, this this yes. skullduggery. So you'll there's one of the three of us is definitely a bigger turkey than the rest. <laughs> I, and, I don't know. Uh, you guys look pretty good. There's a couple of pictures, a couple a couple of shots of uh, of Nate popping up that are. There, yeah. were, there were some surprise cameos that I noticed. I mean, stunning yeah. Easter egg types. I won't spoil the surprise oh, yeah. so our viewers can Blasts go find. from the past, perhaps. But, that's uh, right. We, that's right. We, we blame the shadiest turkey, <laughs> and that'll make more sense. It's all right. But today, uh, when you've finished coming back from, from Facebook, uh, we are looking forward to discussing a few things. We've got the story of a church, Common Grace in the USA, the link between gratitude and obedience, and then we will also spend some time just discussing those things for which we are personally grateful this year. And I want to begin then by looking at this story of a church. And this has always been fascinating to me, and I think it's something that tends to get to get buried uh, in in the history, both when it's told from a more, more of a modern critical perspective. And if you want to see something that'll make you both upset and kind of laugh at the same time, oh, I can't wait. Go now. to like the history <laughs> history.com webpage or and and read sort of contemporary renditions of of Thanksgiving. Oh, really? That are just completely reinterpreted through oh, a God. colonialist, imperialist, you know, lens. Um, it's kind of sad. That's interesting. Yeah, you could take any one event that's generally wonderful, and if you approach it with the most critical, no yeah. pun intended, cynical view, you can twist anything and everything. You really can. But even coming from a more conservative perspective and growing up and hearing uh, Thanksgiving told through a Chris- Christian lens, there was still a, a, a kind of a cool reality behind the Thanksgiving story that I think was missed. And so come with me on a journey Ooh. as we each go from the Reformation to Thanksgiving, because no Reformation, no turkey tomorrow. Oh, Are you sure? Yeah. It'll be an I'm, interesting I'm journey. I'm quite sure. Yes. I mean, what if I had turkey any day? Can I have turkey any day of the week? Nope. But the turkey you eat has been genetically engineered for your Thanksgiving pleasure. You know, those turkeys running around the backyard, those guys don't taste the same. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Yeah, the ones you're eating are not the ones that can run around the backyard. When, when we were in <laughs> Italy, right. <laughs> we had trouble finding whole turkeys except for going to, like, the military base or something. And we we uh, we finally found a butcher shop that would let us buy turkeys. We had to buy them in pairs. 
Oh. And they told us they'll be between, I think it was like 10 and 15 kilos each, okay? So we said, okay, we had to commit to these, and we were paying per pound, so we committed to buying four of them because we were having several dinners, Thanksgiving dinner celebrations. Both of us are acting like we know it, 10 to 15 kilos. Sorry. I got to say, I instantly <laughs> envision like blocks of cocaine. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah how, we have several many, keys of this. <laughs> how, how many piles of drugs is that? That's right. It's the only time I hear kilos. Right? Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you in pounds. But anyway, so so these uh, these turkeys, we will pick them up. I don't think one of them was under 16 kilos. It's like 30. 36 pounds. Oh, really? Well, it's 2.2 kilos to well, I pound. I was converting so. the wrong way. That's yeah. a big yeah. Yeah. You had four of these? Yeah, we had four of these things. <laughs> wow. We couldn't fit them in the ovens there because the ovens are, are considerably smaller than here. They don't bake a lot like we do. Uh, they Typically, there's bakeries on every corner, so you don't do a whole lot other than roasting a small you know, pork loin or something or a small pheasant. What did you do? <laughs> we had to cut the hind quarter off and we had to cut them, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and stack them up and shove them in the oven. And But yeah, I've got a couple of pictures somewhere on my Facebook page if you want to look at it, I think, uh, of me holding these ginormous turkey one by the leg and trying to figure out how we're going to get it in the oven. <laughs> nice. Looks like a, a dog or something. It's pretty, yeah. Anyway. Why would they only sell them in pairs? That's the way they order because they, they, don't, they don't normally sell whole ones. So the the shop was going to get them in whole. They normally butcher them down, okay, right? So they sell okay. lots of turkey there. You can get turkey breast and turkey legs and stuff like that, but they don't ever, they don't typically sell. Now, I did later, in, in later years, find a couple of local butchers that would have, yeah, some some turkeys and some geese or something like that that you could, you could a, buy. One other question for you, Kev, because we want to get to this journey Chris is yeah, taking we us on. But you know how in here in the U.S., everyone, when they are, repeating something in Italian said they end up sounding like Mario, you know. That's it's me, Mario. And we all put our hands up in our ha- in the yeah, air. You have to. Does anyone actually talk like that over there? Uh, well, Italian is much more, um, I don't know, it's much more sing-songy than, uh, than a lot of languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially depending where you are in Italy, there's kind of different cadence and different ways that they, uh, that they, they uh, speak. But yeah, the hands for sure. I mean, uh, the hand move motions. A lot of waving and gesturing. A of, yeah, a lot of gestures go along with it. So yeah. well, I'd show you some, but nobody can see them anyway. So. Right, true. right. Yeah. Well, on that note, Chris, would you take us <laughs> to? Well, now, I'm sounding not, like, now I'm sounding like the count. <laughs> <laughs> the count. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, One, I two. To my childhood here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to quit while I'm there we go. this far behind. <laughs> so uh, we're actually not going back initially to Italy unless okay. you want to start with the papacy. Ooh, the Reformation. It, it does say Roman Catholic in your notes. The papacy. But, okay. uh, Sorry. Yeah, Peter Lilback, he's the president of Western Theological Seminary. He once noted uh, the story of America is literally the story of the Reformation. And and to trace that, you do go back through, to the Reformation itself. As, as we know, Martin Luther, that famous monk, 1517, nails his 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg. Uh, he begins to launch this movement to critique uh, the Roman Catholic Church at the time, but also to begin to really explore what was sort of that seminal discovery or better put rediscovery of Martin Luther that salvation didn't work the way they thought it had under the traditional teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. He's reading Romans 1, 16 to 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And that 
passage and similar passages in the New Testament had infuriated Martin Luther with in his attitude towards God because he always understood that to mean his righteousness, that the righteous man will live by faith. And that faith means essentially then the living out of his righteousness, and that's what's going to appease God. And he being someone that took things very literally, very seriously, he realized, I just cannot be good enough. And he even drove a lot of <laughs> his abbots and such at his monasteries that he was staying at. He drove them crazy because he was just constantly in confession. <laughs> I've been coveting my neighbor's potato. It was bigger than mine at dinner, and I wanted to eat his potato and not my potato. And, <laughs> and they were just telling him, like, relax. You know, I think you know, you're overthinking this a little bit. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he said, no, you, you can't relax because if God is perfectly holy and I am so not, then I am always in trouble. And God sets up the standard and the standard's impossible. And, and, you know, it just, it really frustrated him. Now, I think one of the, uh, unsung heroes of the Reformation is actually another Catholic, um, mentor of, of Martin Luther, who was the first one to basically preach the gospel to Martin Luther of salvation by grace through faith. <laughs> His name was Staupitz, hmm. which is just a, a fun name to say. So a peer, a, a peer priest or somewhere? He was, in the, he was over in the Luther in the hierarchy okay. and and basically said, Luther, you you don't understand God's grace and how salvation by grace works. And and said a bunch of the stuff that you're like, that is not official Roman Catholic doctrine. Mm. But this guy seemed to have gotten it. He was never willing to step away from the Catholic Church the way that Luther did and become a reformer and a Protestant eventually. Um, he uh, He's just kind of remained in the shadow. The Roman Catholic Church eventually sort of retired and just sort of quietly sat by and watched. Uh, but that's just one of those interesting people God positioned in Luther's life to sort of give him these seeds that he would then all of a sudden go, Oh, that's what he's talking about when he would look at a passage like Romans 1 and say, it's not my righteousness that God has revealed his righteousness from heaven, but it's the righteousness of Christ that's given to me. And that just the light bulbs came on. I'm not saved by doing all the right stuff. I'm saved by Christ giving me his, as he called it, alien righteousness and crediting it to the count of an unworthy sinner such as myself. And then, boom, just all the pieces started falling into place. So that's that's the genesis of the Reformation, and it's going to you know sweep through Europe. Uh, as we know, Luther is going to be summoned before the emperor. He's going to give that famous statement that I, I can't recant what I've written unless I can be comp uh, convinced by plain reason according to the testimony of God's word because my conscience— is held captive to the word of God. And that thought in particular is the one I wanted to seize on because that's the thread that's going to lead to Thanksgiving is this idea that as a man, I am accountable before God according to the testimony of his word and my conscience to be faithful to worship him as, as his word says, not through these councils, popes, bishops, etc., uh, that is the thread of liberty that is going to become essentially the seed of what will be the American experiment. So just a little bit of context question yeah. here. Prior to that, mm -hmm. the general thinking was that my relationship to God really did, wasn't carried, but it was 
mediated mediated by a series well first of all my my local priest perhaps but then there's this whole hierarchy of yes. of religious professionals clergy yeah that that in some in some way managed or as you say you know mediated in various ways my access to god yeah, yeah, you're you're not able to understand God's word on your own, partially because we won't translate it into your language. I mean, we're not reading it from the Greek and Hebrew, we're reading it from the Latin, which is a translation. We won't translate it into your language, so you don't know what it says, so you have to trust us. And then if you've sinned, you need to come to us, and we will appeal to God on your behalf, or more likely, we will appeal to Mary and ask her to appeal to God on your behalf. So a religious elite that was necessary to manage and administrate the at least the faith the faith well probably yeah. every aspect of life for comp the, the average folks and the yeah. the 99.5% of the the population and this verse means not necessarily what god intended it to mean when he, the original author wrote to the original audience it means what the church mm. and by the church I mean that means the roman catholic church what the consensus of roman catholic church teaching says it means and so you can have a passage that says this is black and if the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is this is white, then that's what the verse means because the authority was in the Roman Catholic Church. And that this was part of what Luther was saying, whoa, no. God said what God said, and so he meant what he meant, and that's where the authority is at. And every man, according to the dictates of his conscience, needs to be able to have the right to be compelled to worship God according to the plain teaching of his word. And that that was such a radical thought today. It's like, what's the big deal? But in his world, that was a radical thought because of the integration between politics and the church. Uh, the idea that you could have this loose cannon running around there interpreting scripture according to the dictates of their conscience and the plain meaning of the text. That was a politically radical thought, a religiously radical thought. That meant you couldn't be centrally managed and controlled by by the bureaucracy as it existed. Still a radical thought today. Still I mean, a radical in some thought places. in many parts of the world. So, yes. I mean, the, the, even in Italy, that's, that's a radical thought. I mean, that's the, the Protestants, the evangelicals are these kind of free radicals out there running around thinking whatever they want to, interpreting scripture however they want and not, not listening to the to the actual official teaching of the of the priest, the Roman Catholic Church, you know. So there's a profound impact. And I, and I don't want to mm. I don't want to dilute what our emphasis is here because uh, but but you and can yet. you can see. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll only gently dilute and then I'll retreat after I've diluted. Uh, but you can see the dynamics you just described of an elite minority administrating the affairs of of everyone else. And this idea that the elite minority has acts they know better. You can see that the dynamics of that are not – they were not unique to the way the Roman Catholic Church set itself up. You see this no, in governments. You see absolutely. this throughout world history. I find it fascinating that whether or not people who, who've put their faith in Christ and, 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 and understand the Bible's teaching about how our relationship to God, our value is as an individual – that just those dynamics, even though focused on our faith, they have profound impacts on Western civilization. And you can see where, even in our current culture today, the the attacks on Christianity, uh, some people might try to say, oh, it's just because of our ethical beliefs, our moral beliefs. It's much more than that. Yes. Cr Christianity sets the individual in a place of honor because each person was created in the image of God. And you see how Luther 
bringing this to the forefront, the scripture had always said it, but him bringing it to the forefront not only mm-hmm. impacted the faith of hundreds of millions, but it impacted civilization as well. All right. Absolutely. N- now that I've diluted, I'm going to retreat because no, we want to get a, back to this. It's not a dilution because that is the central theme and it continues to be a central theme today. Uh, and and it shaped it shaped the world. And I, But I want to also get to the point where we see that it shaped how we eat turkey tomorrow. You know, that, <laughs> this, it's a big deal. So this whole idea starts to set Europe on fire. It's spreading around. It comes into a, a place called Geneva, uh, Switzerland, in a city pastored by a dude named John Calvin or something like that. I don't. Do you have relatives in Geneva? Did I did I text you once and you were in Geneva, Chris? I can't remember. No, I wasn't in Gene- Geneva, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I do have relatives in Switzerland. My okay. wife is a Swiss national and a very proud Swiss national, mm. uh, and she does have family that that still lives there. Uh, this is the French influenced part of Switzerland here in Geneva, and her family is from the the German adjacent portion uh, of Switzerland. So in the Zurich area, okay. And again, okay. If, and if any of my relatives from over there ever hear this podcast, I apologize for butchering the pronunciation of your lovely cities. Uh, gorgeous country, what, very much worth visiting. One of the great countries of the world, indeed. So John Calvin is there preaching in Geneva and just loves the Bible, loves the gospel. Dude, super prolific, writes, teaches, massive impact on that city, and not just the church in the city, but again, this is still a time when. The church and the state are in a very interesting relationship, and that's an area that eventually Protestant theology would even critique. But it, there's a there's a quote from a, a book called The Protestant Reformation and its influence, 1517 to 1917, which is a lot more interesting than the title might lead you to believe, and you can read almost all of it online for free. Uh, it says this, above all, he, speaking of Calvin, secured an adequate participation of the laity in the government and discipline of the church. Meaning he said, hey, everybody in the church body is to be involved in the life of the church mm. and thus gave free play to that representative principle that has made Calvinism the mother of political liberties mm. in most of those lands of the Western world which enjoy these blessings. It was these experiments that Calvin did in saying, hey, everybody should be able to be taught so that they understand the word of God and what he has said, and then they should all be able to be involved so that they have a voice that makes an impact in the civil sphere, in the religious sphere. Everybody has, as a, a creature made in the image of God, a, a right to be involved in the process. That was revolutionary, and it eventually would lead to a revolutionary war, <laughs> among other things. But uh, this, this, again, this principle of your conscience before God your ability as a person of freedom and liberty to be involved in what's going on in civilization, these are parts of the core concept of what the Reformation was all about. Uh, The historian Bancroft wrote, the fanatic for Calvinism and John Calvin, the, the followers of his teaching of the gospel, the fanatic for Calvinism was a fanatic for liberty. For in the moral warfare for freedom, his creed was a part of his army and his most faithful ally in battle. And so when those influenced by the gospel were going through and reforming society, this idea of freedom, they carried with them, not in the same way that other revolutions like the French Revolution, where it was more of a of almost a secular, um, a secular impulse for autonomy. 
for for the the Reformation uh, movement, it was a theological argument that because of who God has said we are, this is how men ought to live in in a free in a free world. So that then eventually goes from Geneva and spreads all the way out to England. Uh, England's ready to receive the ideas of the Reformation. Men like William Tyndale in the early 1500s had been getting the word of God into the English language. People were starting to read it for themselves, understand God's word. Uh, the Reformation would end up taking over some prestigious schools in England, Oxford and Cambridge in particular, and that those would become centers of teaching of Reformation doctrine. Three men uh, you know, famously uh, would rise at Oxford, Latimer, Ridley, and Cranmer. Then you... Uh, have politics get involved because politics always make the story interesting. Bloody Mary <laughs> becomes queen of England. She does not like um, those pesky people that will not submit to her preferred religion for this for this uh, country, which was the Roman Catholic faith. That's because her political views map directly to her religious views in terms of controlling population. Absolutely. And so she says those, those Protestants have to go. Cranmer is pressured, pressured, pressured. Eventually he recants. Uh, his teaching of the gospel. And then later he is so ashamed, he recants his recantation publicly. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, then we're going to burn you at the stake. And as they burn him, he takes the hand he used to sign his recant, his original recantation and says, you know, this hand hath offended. And he mm. sticks it in the fire and watches his own hand burned <laughs> wow. to say that that was the offense was to ever recant the gospel. Mm. Uh, and then his friends, Latimer and Ridley, were then also burned at the stake together later. And uh, Latimer see the, sees the flames rising up, uh, and he calls to his friend, Be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. You know, men men were a little different back then. These mm -hmm. are tough guys. I, These we, are tough guys. We think of guys wearing uh, frilly collars and doilies and stuff. You, you tend to think of them as, as weak, and they were yeah, no. anything but— When you're smelling the smoke that's about to burn you— <laughs> were these yeah. were these political? I realize their their religious views, their views on scripture, are are what they was charged. You know, they were charged with yes. But were these also or were these political executions just as much as religious? Was the system so intertwined then that was their real yeah. heresy? It really was because mm -hmm. from from the Reformation standpoint, the idea was theology. Oh, that's what the gospel is. That's what the good news is. This is what the authority of scripture means. And you really can't overstate the importance of the authority of Scripture. Right. They said, this is the highest authority. And it goes, God, God's revelation of himself, me. And there's nothing inserted into that chain, right? And the, the church is a part of what God has revealed, and that's essential. No magisterium, no superstructure of religious mm -hmm. um, administrative folks. There's, there's a place for religious administrative folks, but they don't get in between God, God's revelation of himself and me. Mm -hmm. that there's a direct line of authority and accountability there. And that, again, is going to be a political statement in this world because the church and the state were always finding this balance of using each other to maintain control. Mm -hmm. And this upsets, it topples the apple cart entirely. So be of good comfort, he calls out, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And testimonies like that, as always is the case, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It causes this teaching to spread even further and faster. Uh, you've got all these amazing free men and women ready to face extreme persecution for these ideas. And that gets us to then how this whole movement ends up in... Turkey Day. Hmm. 
So Protestants are continuing uh, to spread around England. Uh, they're still, you know, there's just this big political game going on. Uh, they start passing all these laws to try to figure out what to do with this new dynamic. A uh, bunch of cities come together and they they come to this agreement that, okay, well, whoever's in charge of a city gets to decide if the, the city is going to be Catholic or Protestant. Now it's not a national decision. We'll let it be a city-level decision. But then you got problems that there are people that live in Catholic cities that say, oh, that's what the gospel means? I believe that. And they, well, but you, you live in a Catholic church, you're not allowed to do that. Or a Catholic city, you're not allowed to do that. Groups like the Huguenots that are, are persecuted uh, eventually, you have a king come to power, Henry IV. Uh, he had grown up hanging out with Protestants. He thought they were pretty cool. He got older, and he realized it was more politically expedient to be Catholic. He was like, sure, I'll switch. <laughs> but he's like, you know, I, you know, I get along with everybody, so why can't you get along with everybody? So he gives them a little taste of, of what religious liberty could look like for a while, but it didn't last too long. Eighty-five years later, the peace is broken. Huguenots are again being slaughtered. England, the Church of England is being founded to try to shore up, okay, so we got a lot of Protestant-y type people here, but that needs to be underneath the state, right? We got to have control. We got to be able to find things. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to make the Church of England, and you have to do things our way. Uh, and that's putting a lot of pressure on people who have joined the official church state, people like John Bunyan, right, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. They're throwing him in jail <laughs> for preaching God's word without being officially licensed by the king. Uh, we just don't imagine that. I mean, imagine if you know, as a pastor here at Valley Bible Church, if I had to say, Donald Trump, would you please authorize me to preach the gospel this Sunday? Right? That that's just the world they lived in, mm -hmm. uh, and that was what it was like. Well, at least you know for the next few months, then I have to maybe write somebody else. But uh, something, yeah. yeah, something else though has now happened in history that's going to lead to us, and that is this dude named Christopher Columbus has come back telling tales of distant lands and people are getting excited. Yes. For a variety of reasons that are those that are going gold is in them, their hills, right? We've got this massive resource opportunity, but there's a lot of people whose world is not defined by imperialistic greed. Do you guys hear that out there? <laughs> right? That's not the only narrative that defines the flow of history. There's but, a lot of people whose world is controlled by but Chris, my, worship. My, my high school history teacher, although without evidence, has authoritatively told me the opposite. How do I deal with that? Authoritatively? <laughs> yes. Believe what I say because of who I am, not because of the evidence I bring. It is so hard for us to go back sometimes and to read history through a lens that's not the one that we currently use to view our world. And in, a, in an educational system that's increasingly viewed through, uh, if not explicitly Marxist, at least Marxist-adjacent uh, ways of looking at things. And, Everything's and, about class and I don't struggle, see that, yeah, I don't power, see that, Yeah, I don't see that imbalance. to me like, as a pejorative. You know, you know, Marxist is like saying Nazi sometimes today, but that's not what we're trying to say. We're trying to say Marxist in the terms of viewing the world as, like you said, power struggles, class struggles. It's structural problems. But this generation largely did not view the world as structural problems. That was there, but that's not what the main thing they saw. The main thing they saw was that the world is moved and shaped by worship. For a lot of people, that's what really defined their view of the world. And so uh, you begin to have these longings for a place where you can worship God the way you are convinced in your conscience you need to worship him. Uh, this great uh, theological statement called the Westminster Confession in 1646, it was written, and it contains these words, God alone is the Lord of the conscience. 
and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are in anything contrary to his word or beside it in matters of faith and worship. And so that was a document taught to the churches, taught to the children. A whole generation was raised. My loyalty, my duty is to God according to his word and according to the dictates of my conscience. Where can we do that? Because nobody in Europe will let us do that. Even those that are supposedly Protestant have to have state-controlled Protestantism, and that's wrong. Where can we do this? Oh, America. So that brings us to John Robinson. John Robinson was a pastor of a, of a church that was originally associated with uh, the, the, the church in Rome, the Church of England. But then he became a part of what was known as the separatist movement when he said, no, we've got to worship God according to the dictates of our conscience, according to his word, not in alignment with the state. And so they broke with the Church of England, became separatists, uh, suffered extreme persecution, went through a whole series of heartaches and adventure, jailings, poverty, sickness, you name it. And eventually they said, hey, we heard the Netherlands is doing better when it comes to religious liberty, we'll go there. So he takes his church, his congregation, not some loose association of random people, that church, John Robinson's church, goes to the Netherlands. And there they found that they couldn't even there find a place to truly worship as they dreamed of doing. And since they were long-term thinkers, as they dreamed that their children and grandchildren could do. And so in 1619, they raised enough money to be able to send half of that single church to this new world across the sea to establish a place where they could worship God in peace. And that ship that they hired was the Mayflower. And these people would eventually be called the Pilgrims. And so when the Pilgrims and later the Puritans came to America, they came with the teaching of Luther and Calvin in their hearts, this gospel vision of liberty, liberty to worship according to the dictates of your conscience and according to the word of God. And they came to establish a land in which people could worship in the church without the control of a king. That's what brought them here. And so at Thanksgiving, we are remembering when this half of a congregation— sailed over to find a place where they could worship God freely. And then half of that half of a congregation died over the winter in terribly harsh circumstances. But then through the relationship, thanks to Squanto, that they forged with the Wampanoag people that lived in the area, they learned how to live and to subsist and to survive in this new land. And they realized, I think we're going to make it. I think we've found the place where our kids and our grandkids can grow up being able to worship God as he's commanded us to. And their hearts were so full of gratitude that they then gathered with those local people and they celebrated in a feast of thanksgiving to God for his kindness to them despite all of their losses, all of their suffering, all of their hardship, we can worship. And that's the line of the Reformation to Thanksgiving. And it's important for us to remember that because Mm. when you stop and think about all that would come of that event, the rise of this massive nation that we live in today, it is the testimony to the surviving one quarter of one church looking for a place to worship. And that's pretty profound because it seems sometimes sometimes they like the the issues we faced are so massive and so intractable in the face of an entire continent in Europe that's sort of deadlocked into a way of doing things. What could one persecuted separatist church do? 
turns out quite a bit. Yeah. And today, just a few thankful, faithful people can be used by God to do amazing things. Now, the future of America is going to have not just glory and and cool stuff. It's going to have some massive national sins as well. Oh, from we, then till now. From then till now. And yeah. we need to remember yeah. those, confess that that is what took place, call sin what God calls sin. But Thanksgiving is not a celebration of the sins that would eventually be a part of the American story. Thanksgiving is a celebration of people seeking to find a place to worship God in peace and being grateful for God's direct providence of salvation, his indirect providence of the the kindness of the local native tribes that had helped them out, and also their ability to found a place where their kids and their grandkids could worship Jesus in peace. Mm. I love that, Chris. You, you've touched on a bit of our 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 faith uh, legacy. What's what's happening? Yeah. Not legacy. You know, that's what happens after. But but our our ancestors here, our ancestry, and and where we come from in terms of our beliefs, but then also our country as well. And I I just I think that that's really you've given me some great things to talk chat about tomorrow because i think well mm. we all sit around saying what am i thankful for and there's that's good thankful to god for all these different things and we'll touch on some of that today this is a this is something that is being forgotten more yes. and more and and there's probably a reason why so many people in our society don't don't really understand Thanksgiving. They're in a hurry to get to Halloween, and then they put the Christmas decorations up in a hurry to get to Christmas because they don't <laughs> understand Thanksgiving. Thankful to who? To my parents, and there's a little bit of that. But when you, if you don't have the context of where this started, you could see why it is not very meaningful to people. Do you know what the link between Halloween and Thanksgiving is? No. Halloween is actually Reformation Day. (laughs) (laughs) Tell my neighbors that are like hanging, you know, there's bodies hanging from nooses in their trees. Tell my neighbors, please. It's gruesome. Uh, I think that's wonderful. I, I, you know, it's interesting too. The only reason that you, when you talked about Calvin describing how the laity, everyone was involved in, 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 in the church you see a dynamic that was simply replicated in a, in a more of a government fashion, but our nation it's, if, if we as Christians do not share this message, if we don't mm-hmm. share the message, this message of history is important. Far more important is the message of the gospel. The, a, a country, you, you can't have a country where all the citizens are involved because if, if we don't share the same moral fabric, the same ethical views, you don't, you can't have that. It doesn't work. Yeah, and we are hearing increasingly that the gospel is bigoted abuse, and we need to remind the world, no, the gospel is good news, mm-hmm. and it not only sets men free before God, but it has been, in Western culture, the key ingredient that has set men free, period. Yeah, well, if you look back, I mean, you just the history you touched on, in this short history of tyrants, tyrants are always against the Bible. Every without fail. And I think it's because the Bible leads to an, in a view of myself as an individual. I have value before God. And that value, of course, is based upon being created in his image. And because of my sin, I must confess and repent and trust in Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection to save me from that sin. But now I even have greater value before God as an individual. Uh, tyrants don't view individuals. Tyrants view classes. They view groups. There are no people. It's just simply masses to rule over. You can see how the way God created us, 
leads to the way societies have formed. And those societies are a threat to small elite groups that try to control them. Sorry to get political yeah. there, but it's it's just fascinating it's to true. me. It's mm. fascinating to me how a lot of what you described, like Mary's resistance to, to the Protestant movement, the papacy's resistance to the Protestant movement, and you could look at local governments throughout Europe that all sought to squelch this through execution of pastors, through burning of Bibles, through all sorts of means, because it, it they didn't, I don't think those authorities really cared one way or another about what the Bible taught about faith. They viewed it as a threat to their power. Right. And and we see that today. And that, well, that was the big battle. It wasn't ultimately a massive debate in the early Reformation between Luther's notion of justification and the Roman Catholic notion of justification, they initially didn't really care what he was teaching about mm. justification. That wasn't the big issue for them. It was the authority question. Yeah, go back they to— They immediately recognized the threat to the status quo. Yeah, go back to Jesus himself. His teaching was a threat to the Pharisaical rule in, yep. in Israel. The early early church, this new doctrine, this belief in Jesus was a threat to the empire. It's turned the world upside down, and, as the detractors said. Yeah, so it was always political power trying to squash— a biblical yeah. views because if you get to what the Bible teaches about my value as an individual, you see where that leads and it threatens, it threatens tyranny. And it doesn't matter that God calls men to submit to their governing authorities. The problem is that it doesn't call them to do that independent of his authority. That's right. It's always based on him. Yep. In China today, we see these very, these very things you were talking about, these dynamics. We see that today in trying Absolutely. to squash Bible Bible based views on salvation and who we who we are before God and who is ultimately yeah. the authority. We do not get that in the West, mm. but worship is still the current that carries forward geopolitics in so much of the world. And I would argue, perhaps even most profoundly here, where we acknowledge at least. Yeah, yeah. But well, speaking, that's awesome. Yeah, Thank you for that. Speaking of this fine country that we do live in, there, we do have a number of things we've discussed to critique. There's concerns that we have, and it's right for us to voice those. But it is also, I think, it's easy to have an all or nothing view of things, right? Mm -hmm. If we like something, it's all good. If we don't like something, it's all bad. Yeah, and, and that's, that's an, probably our culture, unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. We do like ourselves a good superlative. Do we, does that start <laughs> as kids? I've got one kid, her name will be unnamed. Um, Her name. She's so, the process she, of elimination. Yeah, right. narrows it's too bad. She's so, she's exuberant. Uh, just everything is 100%. So, you know, she might try something and this is awesome. And then might step on something sharp and be, I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> so does the all or nothing thing start as kids? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> that might be a little bit more of a personality than, uh, than a cultural uh, aspect. We, we tend to be kind yeah. of the go big or go home crowd here in the U.S. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, yep. this, you know, I mean, I think we're seeing that now, right? Right. Everything about these people must be bad because they like that person, you know, <laughs> and so they're awful. Yeah. Cancel, cancel, cancel. And it's like, wait, mm -hmm. wait a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. Be cautious. Even yes. I think even in the Christian world too, we yeah. do that, right? Where you know, oh, this pastor said this, so he can't know what he's talking about over here or whatever. You know, took a different position on this point of view, and we we get very very one sided. I think you know we see one issue as being that issue, and and we definitely couldn't you know have fellowship together because of of anything because <laughs> we don't agree on that one thing. Well, the, the alternative mm. is you have to use discernment. 
you do have to use discernment. As opposed to just being able to stick the green sticker or the red sticker. <laughs> yeah, so. you take communion differently. Therefore, we cannot fellowship. Uh, yeah. We have the equivalents throughout our country on many levels. Exactly. So rapid fire quick take then, looking at our nation in which there are many things for which we need to repent. Uh, what are those things around us that you are most grateful for? Ready, go. I think it's such a cliche, but but freedom, and I'm focusing really just on our nation, freedom is an amazing thing. And when you've grown up in freedom, as I have, as we all have, uh, when you've grown up in generation after generation of freedom, you begin to think, or you can begin to assume this is how it is everywhere. And if you've done any traveling, it is not what happened. This is a unique, wonderful blessing. Um, it, it, throughout the rest of the world, people say, oh, there are other free countries. And, and that is true, partly because of the influence of some of the people you just talked about, Chris. But just our, our freedom to be autonomous, the fact that you can choose that is incredible. Mm -hmm. The freedom to be able to travel freely, well, mm -hmm. for the most part, except for these uh -huh. these constitutionally questionable edicts that are coming down different subject there but but I really but we do have the freedom the freedom to drive here to this building today the freedom to mm -hmm. to if we wanted to drive to Florida uh, <laughs> and uh, it just and yeah. then and the freedom to 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 uh, fill our minds with the information that that we that we choose to freedom is just an incredibly it's it's like air. You're breathing it, but you're not appreciating it because you're not really thinking mm -hmm. about it until it's mm -hmm. not there. And then and all of a sudden, a I'm, big I'm gagging and struggling for survival. And freedom has a similar quality to it. And and I think you know while we like you know to like to have clean air everywhere, it's a great thing. Uh, we want to keep our our freedom pure and something just grateful to God for. Absolutely, Amen. thank mm -hmm. God for it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say about abundance. I mean, I think uh, when I think of our country and, and big turkeys, lots of kilos. Well, but but not even <laughs> but not even abundance in the terms of like wealth and those sort of things. But I mean, we had just abundance in everything. You know, I remember when we came back from from Italy, and I walked into a grocery store, and and I and I saw that there was like a full aisle of condiments. You know, uh, there wasn't like one option for ketchup and one option for mustard, and you know, and that's so what we you know gotten so used to as you know, and we have these huge supermarkets. You know, I remember taking a picture of of the shredded cheese aisle right in the in the cold section in this grocery store and sending it to my uh my friends in italy and going like now they're all shredded variations on two cheeses you know, basically i mean they're not good cheese compared to european cheese but the idea the was that have an the, issue with our notion of cheese oh well, yeah well most of the world probably That's does true. but but you're right but you know just just the options i mean we have Options. You don't like what a doctor says to you. Uh, you're the. You go get a second opinion. It doesn't work in most of the world unless you've got lots of money. You're willing to pay out of pocket. I mean, the, those kinds of things that we forget about. You know, we have air conditioning and heat and gas and roofs over our heads and cars and clothes and and a plethora of options uh, when it comes to what we want to eat for Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things uh, that you can yeah. get going to the grocery store today. And walking around, yeah, you're going to have to deal with lot, you know, lines and an abundance of people, <laughs> and abundance of masks and those sorts of things. But but uh, but there's the opportunity to do those things. I mean, uh, that's that's something we forget about 
Um, we really are very, very, very fortunate in this country, and and, and that goes for everyone. Um, whether you're whether you're you know buying uh, that food at the grocery store and have those options with government assistance, or you're doing it with your paycheck or or whatever it may be, we we have that, and so much of the world does not. If you've ever traveled, just going to the nearby store, you I've never run into anyone. That if if they travel internationally and they go to the store, that comes back with saying, "You wouldn't believe how much more stuff they have there." Nobody, Nobody. says that. Everyone's no one's like, no nope. one says that ever. There's <laughs> no one ever says it. But when you come here, I remember even stories uh, during the during the Cold War, stories yes. of Soviet officials being brought over. Was it Yeltsin who they say wasn't Boris Yeltsin? That they said basically it ended the Cold War. Going to a be- grocery store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was he was going from point to point from you know these two meetings back to like the. UN headquarters or something, and he just said, "Get off at this exit, and take me to the closest grocery store." And mm-hmm. he walked in, and there, you can find pictures today on the internet of him walking around this grocery store with his hands up in amazement. And, and it he, wasn't staged at all, obviously. Yeah, and he <laughs> says, "Is it even possible that every grocery store in America looks like this?" And they're like, "Well, no, this one's kind of small." <laughs> <laughs> and it it blew his mind. He said, "This isn't mm-hmm. propaganda." They're, they're actually doing something that feeds their people in abundance here that yeah. we haven't figured out. And leading up to that, they would they had taken government officials from the Soviet Union uh, on trips, and they thought it was staged. Uh, when yeah. even, even interesting stories about Soviet officials that were ba- – they they liked being based in the U.S. Uh, there <laughs> was more comfortable. Mm-hmm. They thought that it was all, uh, you know, drivel and, and ideolo- – you know, they disagree with the ideology, but, but to your point they'd never seen such abundance and it's something to be grateful to god for i think sometimes as christians we're like we'd be more grateful if we had less well why don't you just get more grateful now with what you have (laughs) that is is such an important point actually that you make (laughs) which is we talk so often about the role that suffering plays in in our sanctification and in our gratitude and all sorts of things suffering doesn't need to be the tool that is necessary to Mm. elicit worship. Mm. Why can't blessing Mm. call the same things from our hearts? And there's, in our culture, I think we're almost being conditioned to have guilt. Yes. Because we've decided we don't use the word blessing anymore. We use the word privilege and privilege is bad. Mm. Yeah. If it is a privilege, right? Not something that you've stolen. Okay. If, If it's something that you've stolen and coerced and cajoled, that's, Ill-gotten gains. The Bible has a word for that. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. You're bad. Uh, if what you are enjoying is is actually a privilege, then it is by definition a blessing. And it is not something to be proud about or to abuse, but it is something to be profoundly thankful for. Mm-hmm. And enjoy to yeah. God's glory. Amen. Mm-hmm. One of the things that first comes to mind for me is you you touched, touched about the ability for us to have whatever information into our heads that we want, but just the the unprecedented access to information that we have in this country, uh, both living in the technological age that we do, uh, where so much is available with a few keystrokes that used to require a pilgrimage to that one university library in that one corner of wherever Mm. that has the one copy of that book. Right now that book has been scanned once and anybody in the world can see it in five seconds. Mm. Right. So there's that. But also uh, I pity anybody learning English. Mm-hmm. Right, it is a mess of a language, but it is the best language this planet currently has for this reason. Mm-hmm. More from the entirety of the world has been translated into this language than into any other language on the planet, 
And this language, because of that, has adopted a broader vocabulary and the ability to express more ideas Hmm. than any other language on the planet. So as much of a mess as it is, it is unique. And even even American English, which is more of a mixing pot and melting pot even than than British English Mm -hmm. is. And apologies to the British because you all talk better than we do. Oh, if I <laughs> had a vocabulary, British, but bigger, we can express more. But we can express more. Yeah. Just we don't because we're done. Sorry. If we had British accents, our Some podcast do. would be like so popular. Oh, really popular. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Great. But, but talking to a missionary friend of yeah. mine who would say, "Hey, before I can teach my students how to study the original languages of scriptures written in, we have to teach them English because all the best tools for them to study the biblical languages mm. are in English." Yeah. And so there's even an extra layer of separation between things. So I'm, I'm just thankful to live in a nation and in a generation that is the center of knowledge for all of history in a way that's unprecedented. Yeah, and we should be, I mean, Christians should be thankful for that. You, Amen. Listeners, you you can walk into our our church office and we have a library, very limited, but the resources on those shelves, like like four bookshelves, uh, the resources on there, there are people around the world that would die to be able to get their hands on those resources. I, I've got, yeah. you know, we've got global outreach partners that would, that would love to have just that few resources in their own language, biblical resources, theological resources. And, and, and that's the reality for so many is that whether you're in Slovakia or Poland or, or Italy or wherever, you really, yes, there are some resources in your language, but if you really want to, to dive deep into study and you don't know English, you, you have, you're right. You have to learn English first. And those who have learned English now have the opportunity to study so much more. But, but for those of us who know English, man, what a privilege we have that we can grab theological works, books uh, that have been translated, like you say, historical works that have been yeah. translated into English. Um, I wanted, it, I did a short um, a church history class here at the church, and I wanted to give our students some of Augustine's work. And in one evening, I was able to go to the Internet Archive, and I found a complete scan set of Princeton's collection of the works of Augustine, and I had 17,000 pages of Augustine's mm. work on a thumb drive for free in one evening. Mm-hmm. Like, that's nuts. Sitting in your house. You didn't have to go to didn't drive anywhere, go pay anywhere. anything. It's incredible. And I didn't even have to look on the internet. He just gave it to me. <laughs> and right. you know how often I've looked at it? Don't lose that flash Every drive. Every day, I'm sure. Unfortunately, you, not, not, not as much as I should. The 17,000 pages, I, Kevin? I, I don't think I read one. Well done. Well uh, done. <laughs> sadly, didn't read any of them. I did, I did sit in the class. I was good. And I read some of the other <laughs> stuff for the class. Yeah. Is but this, uh, this is we're all guilty of confessions. Yes. Instead of Augustine's confessions. That's right. Yeah, there is much to be thankful thankful for here. And I, um, do we want to comment more here, or should we save some time for some personal th- stuff later? Because I know we're already kind of running long. Um, do you have one on top of your head? No, let's throw it out. Let's let's. Okay, you want to move to individual? That's I think. Well, I well, even... We've got to get to Caleb. Yeah, He's got oh, cool yeah. I, for us, well, but I if just... you have one burning on your mind, no, throw no, it out. No, we can come back later. I'm, I want to hear what Caleb has to say. Right, I think Caleb. this is going to be well, really interesting. You know, I I was not actually thinking of thankfulness when we were uh, when we were thinking about the podcast earlier, and I was thinking, what am I going to share a theological concept? And I was. Uh, Perusing my uh, 1689 mm-hmm. Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. It's in just, really good condition considering how old it is. Yeah, well, this one's not that old. Fella. This is a, a much newer pocket uh, version. Uh, but uh, thinking of the idea of good works, and there was something that stood out to me. In uh, in so it's uh, if you have your uh, your pocket 
1689 confession and want to follow along with me. Well, let me get that out. Be, uh, one second. Yep, pocket on. Puritan edition here. Uh, it'd be page 72, uh, so chapter 16.2. Uh, it says this, These good works done in obedience to God's commands are the fruits and evidence of a true and lively faith, and by them believers manifest their thankfulness. And, uh, and he goes on to say other things. Uh one that we could maybe get to, but strength, they strengthen their assurance, they edify their brothers, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but that, that I had to kind of stop and give pause there that, that by them, believers manifest their thankfulness. And we know we're not saved by good works, right? We're saved for them. But, uh, but what motivates our, our good deeds? And, uh, and I was just thinking, especially, you know, in light of thankfulness this, this week and thinking of the fact that, that gratitude really is what motivates Good work, right? We're thankful for what God has done for us. And so out of that, in response to an understanding of all that he does for us, and, and especially as we look at God's word and our, that understanding grows day by day as we look at ourselves and we realize that we're uh, sinners, uh, as we realize that we are desperately in need of this grace that we've received from from God through through Jesus, that that that, that appreciation grows and that thankfulness grows. And as that gratitude that, that grows, we we desire to do more for for our Savior, and uh, anyway, I, I don't have a lot more than that to add. But it just was uh, it was an encouraging thought for me just uh, going into this week. That's a challenge too, because my obedience is not always a grateful obedience, mm. you know. And and just kind of trying to do a little bit of a deep dive on my own heart mm. and considering that you know what is what is the reason I obey when it's not gratitude you know and what what would what would ever make the commandments of a good god who loves me and wouldn't ask me to do anything that's not for my benefit what would ever make that odious you know what what lies my believing that man it would be more fun if i could do that or i really wish mm. i could do this you know mm. what idols the heart of my entertaining you're taking us right back to the garden of eden there really <laughs> i mean this is not a new play yeah because um, it was it was very ungrateful for even than adam to take that fruit. They had everything. In a garden loaded with God's blessings to yeah. say, no, <laughs> I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, uh, so this is a little bit of, you know, Chris's confession time. Uh, <laughs> I had a long conversation last night with my wife about just a number of areas in my life that were falling into a lack of discipline, a lack of godliness. Uh, and it was... Even even as she preambled the conversation, it's just a lot of little things. And you weren't even at the marriage conference, were you? Yeah, I didn't oh, see you there. You know, wow. uh, turns you had out your own yeah. marriage conference. Yeah, right. I married a marriage conference <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in the best possible yes. way. No, yes, it, yes. my my wife is the best exegete of my heart that I know, mm. and she knows it best. Uh, you know. Scripture obviously is that two-edged sword, but man, is she good with it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it, but it was, and it was not in a, yeah, it wasn't an angry confrontational thing. It was, just, it was very much in love, but it was just, hey, there's just some things that are grieving my heart that I think are accumulating, and um, and behind a lot of them really is a lack of grateful obedience to just the simple disciplines that we are called to in life, and. You know, that's, that's humbling as a pastor, as a teacher of God's word. You know, it's like, oh, I've, you know, I'm an advanced Christian because you know, <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> and just to realize how easy it is uh, for me to be a very infantile sinner, <laughs> mm. you know, uh, 
Uh, and so, yeah, but gratitude is that is just such an incredible motivation then for mm. a renewed sanctification rather than, well, doggone it, I don't want people to think badly of me or I'm going to, you know, muscle this out or just all the other p- pathetic reasons that we try to just, you know, grit out our Christian duty because that's what we have to do. And then those are, those just end up in, mm-hmm. in, in disarray. But to say, man, I'm just so thankful. How could I not? live this way. Mm. You know, a couple bits of feedback there, Chris. First of all, praise God for your a relationship that you have with your wife where you can have have a conversation like that and it ends well. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> praise God for that. And your Amen. transparency here today. I, th- I think sometimes we, uh, as, the, as the laity, um, tend to put Put our pastors on pedestals, and 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 some and somewhat appropriately so, but but also, uh, I mean, you are you are people just like us, mm-hmm. pursuing the Lord in the same fashion we are. Uh, mm-hmm. Your business card may read full time uh, shepherd, but but at it, least it did before this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Ben is on Monster.com looking for <laughs> new pastors. Uh, <laughs> but you know, pray, you're 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 modeling, and in a way, your help that is part of the equipping. Uh, of mm-hmm. us in the congregation is modeling that. So I praise God for that. I, I, I think as well, you, you touched on something there and, and Caleb, you've, you've opened a can of worms, but it's a, it's a, it's a glorious can of worms because Thanks, I think, Caleb. <laughs> I think we can fall into I mean, worst case scenario. We're not obeying or disciplining ourselves at all mm-hmm. to the glory of God, that worst case scenario. And, and we're lukewarm believers, mm. but I'd say a, some several degrees above that in terms of, you know, on a spectrum of good to bad, but several degrees above that is, is when we get into phases of life where we are obeying but darn it, I don't feel like it. Mm. And yeah. boy, do you get a there's 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 not much more repugnant than a grumpy Christian. And I've been the grumpy Christian at times. And you and go back to why hold on, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Why am I mm. why have I lost this this joy? And it's a lot of times it's because I'm doing, I'm obeying in not out of a spirit of gratitude that comes from from a celebration of what God has done in my heart. Uh, but it comes out of a sense of duty, which I'm not saying it's all bad, but how many times duty's growing up, not bad. duty's not bad, but, but if that's all that's got you going, boy, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to, you could see how we get grouchy and grumpy, but, yeah. but it is so easy. You know, the antidote to that for me has been going back to the cross and, and I don't know how many messages I've heard about, but you know, something, you know, if I'm, if I'm grouchy and I'm, I'm kind of storming about in the, in the hallways of my soul, so to speak, going back to the cross because that instantly, it instantly, the Holy Spirit uses that to instantly restore humility and instantly restores a joyful gratitude. Thank you, God. Yes. Thank you. And, and all of a sudden the joy of the Lord is, is coming out of me yet again. And it's, it's, it's to his credit, his glory. And bring that, don't just stay there at the cross as it were. I mean, we never grow beyond the cross, but then bring bring the cross back to that conversation you're having with your kids. Yeah. Or, take up your cross, follow him. Uh this is an action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Absolutely. great. Yeah. So mm. yeah, thanks for for sharing that with us, Caleb, because that mm. is a great reminder this year. Thanksgiving can be more than just an opportunity for excuse gluttony. <laughs> and I I say that tongue in cheek because Ladies and gentlemen, feast big. <laughs> you know, oh, when yes. it's time to, f- if if you're always feasting, then there may be an issue. But when it's time to feast, feasting. 
Sorry. Spartan Spartan feasts don't don't actually give God more glory. So feast big when it's time to feast, but uh, this may be a great season to renew our sanctification in gratitude as well. And there's a, there's a great opportunity when we're enjoying God's many benefits to say, and how how can I love you uh, even more in my life in the in the days ahead. Hmm. Think, think uh, yeah. ahead to the wedding feasts, uh, wedding supper of the lamb. I don't think that's not going to be. You know what? I don't see there's that. There's no seconds. That's yes. <laughs> I, don't I, that. I don't see that feast being meager. I don't see that being portion control. Um, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. the celebration of history. Um, yeah, it's something to look forward yeah. to. I think that's Absolutely. wonderful. Wonderful. And hmm. it's crazy to read those passages that talk about how it's Christ Himself who will serve His bride. Amazing. At that feast. Um, yep, that'll be. That'll be one for the ages. But even now we see echoes of his goodness around us. And I just kind of wanted to spend just a few minutes as we get towards the end of our time today sharing just what we are personally thankful in our own lives. And, and I got to confess, I initially uh, didn't want to do us this segment because <laughs> I thought this is, you know, this is that cheesy thing that everybody does, you know. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. Thank God for my kids. You know. And, hey, you're rattling <laughs> off my list over here. And, <laughs> right. And everybody says the same thing, and we we all know what's going to be said. And you know, let's be clever and think of something different. And then I thought, you know, why? Uh, why am I trying to be clever and different? Why would why would we not, as Christian fathers, want to take the open door opportunity? to just simply and publicly say, even if it's the same thing everybody else says, genuinely say uh, our, our public gratitude for the blessings God has given us. You know, I just thought how ridiculous would it be if, if you know, you had four kids on Christmas, <laughs> you know, who got presents and the first three said, oh, I'm thankful for the present you gave me, Daddy. And the next one, I'm thankful for the present you gave me, Daddy. And the third one, I'm thankful for the present you gave me, Daddy. And the fourth one said, well, I want to be original. You want to hear a poem? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so... With that being said, then I've repented from my from my petty attempts to be different. Your cynicism. My cynicism. And yeah, what are we thankful for just individually as, as a man and as fathers? Well, I'll pick up uh, the baton there. I, I First and foremost, and this, is, this should be no surprise, I think everyone, probably most listening would feel this way. Thankful to God for the relationship he has given me with him it has nothing to do with me. Has, it's mm. all in spite of me, but just the salvation that God authored, executed, delivered, mm. maintains a total recipient of all of his goodness. And, and I mean, that, that has got to be, I, I, that's probably one of those things we are experiencing now, as Paul says, you know, very dimly in mm. a way, uh, but it defines our entire eternity mm. and things we can scarcely imagine joys and benefits and amazing experiences. All of that comes back to the amazing plan of salvation that God himself has authored and delivered on my behalf. So I, I'd say that's the, that's something that just nothing compares to it. Mm. But if there is something to be called a close second, it is, it is indeed, and you guys have wonderful spouses as well, but for me, that my amazing and beautiful wife, Anita, who, when I think back to when we first met and what an immature knucklehead I was, <laughs> um, not that I'm that anymore, of course not, yeah, but, but I think of all, it's, 
amazing. I start to think of all the times when she might could have slipped away just because I wasn't paying attention or wasn't pursuing enough, wasn't valuing enough. God kept kept us together, dated no, six years, and then we got married. Mm-hmm. And we're actually in our 21 years now. Um, Congratulations. But, but thank you. Thank you. Yeah, praise God for it. it. But in terms of the marriage conference this past weekend mm-hmm. was such a, a wonderful it was it was convicting in some in many ways, but it was also just a wonderful reminder of mm-hmm. how important having a godly partner in life, not just a partner, but but you know the the two of us uh, st- our strengths fill the other's gaps and 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 we have common purpose and joy and just the delight the the, the uh, when you start to think of what life would be like without. Mm-hmm. Without her, it's 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 almost unthinkable. So, another amazing thank thankful to God for her, and not just our experience so far, but just just her daily influence in my life on so many levels and for the years ahead. Wonderful, uh, can't really can't overstate mm-hmm. uh, how important uh, she has been to my life, and I'm sure you guys could echo the same. Amen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amen. Not I mean, about Nita, of course. Yeah, but. of course not. <laughs> no, I, yeah, Ecclesiastes 9.9, right? Rejoice in the light yeah. of your youth all the days of your life under the sun uh, because this is your reward in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a wife is not something you get as a as a trophy to your Casanova you know, credentials. <laughs> a wife is an undeserved reward. It's an act of grace that God gives uh, that that we are commanded to rejoice in, uh, as though that should be necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm that grateful for those those marriage conference. Uh, that Linda and I love doing those kinds of things, reading books together, uh, just to be proactive. But what's what's encouraging for us? Uh, obviously, there's the the things that you see where you go, Oof, I need to work on that, or. You know, I, I I joke about Linda, you know, about Linda learning a lot, but really, you know, I learned a lot of those, of those things too. She learned a lot um, for you. She wrote it all down. That's right. That's list. right. She, she wrote it down. She, she reminds me every day all the things she learned from me. She'll she'll learn from it me. out to you in, no. in uh, palatable doses over yeah. the next forever. Uh, yeah. No, what, yeah, I think one of the neat, the things that we find is it's very encouraging for us when we go to those because, you know, a lot of times we're, we're not in a, in a, in a situation, thankfully, because we've been proactive, where we're going, man, we we need to go to a relation, you know, a, a marriage conference or something to to fix this because it's broken. Um, you know, we see small things that, that need to be tweaked and fixed. But but what's encouraging to me often is that that my the the wife God has given to me and I we 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 are we are working together well in in a lot of areas. You know, and it's encouraging to see where where we fill out the blanks and they're they're similar on the uh, maybe not the same, but there's oh, on the worksheets and you. Yeah, the worksheets you kind of compare, and you go, okay, yeah. we're a ten here and an eight here, or whatever. Yeah. You know, those sorts of things, and and I think that that that's an encouragement to me to know, you know, yeah, we're not we're not on different pages here. You know, <laughs> like I, I'd hate to be surprised with, oh, I think we're at a ten in our relationship, and she thinks we're at a four, uh oh, <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> like, or whatever. You know, I think about yeah, it. Averages at seven, so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hey, we're winning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, for sure, well, my wife. I, I would say, are we talking about things we're grateful for still, or are we? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Ideally, <laughs> no. I'm really thankful for uh, <laughs> a tangent. Um, I, my upbringing. You can dilute, <laughs> yeah. as well. You know, and, but you must retreat. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, we were raised overseas, uh, far mm-hmm. from grandparents, far from a lot of those things. Uh, and I know my, my parents would have loved for us to have uh, those relationships. We had we had good relationships with our grandparents, and we have good relationships with those that are that are still living. But 
But uh, there were sacrifices for sure. But man, I'm so thankful that my parents followed the Lord and that they raised us where they did. Um, you know, I growing up overseas in Bolivia, the, the things that we got to experience, uh, the life experiences while they had their challenges, um, you know, they're integral integral to making me who I am today mm-hmm. and, and allowing me to serve the Lord in ways that are unique to me, uh, you know, and, and I think that's uh, that that's just... Yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And so if my parents are listening, I'm thankful for for that. Thank you for, mm. for raising us well, but raising us even in challenging situations um, that maybe at times you regret, but you shouldn't because God mm. has used them. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, going third, you know, me too. Well, I, I left <laughs> but, out my uh, kids. I had to yeah, leave a little yeah, something for you guys. That. I didn't notice that. I'm so, gonna, yeah, they're on my their next thing, that. but I thought, no, I'm monologuing here. But there you go. please no. go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Uh, also, just um, I, I find myself in a in a very in a very privileged, in, in the sense of blessed position to have been uh, raised in a Christian home that wasn't Christian just in in word, but but indeed uh, to have been loved well and loved in the gospel by by two people, my mother and father, that are to this day my you know my spiritual heroes that I look up to. Uh, to have mm. been raised in the church, and I can count so many uh, individuals from Mr. Barnhill, <laughs> who taught me, uh, you know, Sunday school, um, up to Rico Figueroa, who was a, uh, I, I just a young, a young man who uh, discipled college students, and Jesse Germick, who discipled me in high school, and. Um, uh, Tom Williams, our Christian school, high school administrator who took me under his wing. And just I was surrounded by godly people who cared about about me and invested in my life. And that's that's a priceless legacy. It's something I want for my children. It's something I want for my grandchildren. It's what God has designed the Christian community to be. Uh, but just working in youth ministry, you see so many broken homes, you see mm. so many tragic stories, and it's amazing what God can do in in the lives of even our young people through those situations. But I'm just constantly reminded how just profoundly thankful I need to be mm. uh, for for those opportunities. And now, as a as a father, to have uh, the four children that God has given us, mm. um, what a blessing! They're they're my legacy, right? That is, and and for Azumi and I, that is the the chief and and most significant fruit of our life. Um, mm. You know, we have um, ministry and discipleship and and influence that uh, goes beyond just our immediate family. But there there will never be anything to which we are or for which we are more accountable to God, and which will have a more enduring. Uh, representation of of our our faithfulness or lack thereof as parents as as the mm. the discipleship of our children and just what a joy they are mm. um, you know sinners all uh, <laughs> and that's my fault <laughs> they inherited uh, and I do believe it comes I do nature. believe it comes from the dad so <laughs> yeah. we can explore <laughs> that sometime there, yeah but uh, uh, you know and so I I don't. I want to be careful, especially as a pastor. It's so easy for the pastor's kids to get put on this pedestal where the expectations are are unrealistic and people, instead of trying to train them to be like Jesus, are just waiting for them to not be like Jesus and then whack mm-hmm. them. Uh, and I don't want to do that. But I just genuinely am very thankful just for each for them, for their uniquenesses, for who God's made them to be. Uh, and I, 
And I know as we say these things, thankful for our wives, thankful for our parents, thankful for our kids, we're saying things that would be echoed by Christian fathers across the valley, you know, and true and, and and not just by Christian fathers even just I think many men in general are aware of their their need to be grateful for these things and and indeed they are uh, but it, it is still good and right to say these things right and say them out loud and to say them out loud yes, to mm-hmm. the people that that you're talking yeah. about encourage them and I want to go one step beyond and just say I'm you know I'm thankful for this church. Mm-hmm. This is a church where I am glad to see my children being raised and the relationships that they're forming and the people that are invested in their lives. And I'm thankful for Spokane Valley and I'm thankful for this area. It's also not perfect, but you know I I I'd spent eight and a half years in that purgatory that's known as Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, and I just remember thinking this is not. If God calls us here, that's that's up to him. But it's not really where I'd like my children to to live in the armpit of the porn industry, mm. in a culture mm. obsessed with youth that discards its elderly, in a place where every fleshly desire is indulged, celebrated, and perfected to mm. be exported for a profit. A drunken mm. addiction to materialism. I, I've, really, I've yeah. spent my time down there as well, and there yeah. are highs <laughs> and lows, but There's you're right about the culture. There's amazing things about Southern California in that area as well, but uh, I just remember thinking, that's just not, this is not the environment. This isn't the fishbowl I want to raise mm-hmm. my kids yeah. in. And and the valley is a it's a wonderful place. It really is a it's a wonderful it place, despite its its quirks and its flaws. It's a it's a it's a blessing to live here. I'm thankful for those that have labored hard to make this a family friendly city, and that are still continuing to seek to do so. And, I, and so, to many of our city officials and magistrates and all those people that are stressed out of their minds right now, mm. trying to manage a city during COVID. Uh, thankful for you guys and gals mm-hmm. and for the Amen. service that you render to all of us. I, w- I wanted something you said there, Chris, uh, you know, maybe maybe shifting just slightly. I mean, thinking about our kids as such a uh, actually, I'm not going to shift it. I'm going to stay on that if you if it's OK. Sounds good. Thinking about <laughs> our kids. What a, a wonderful blessing. I mm-hmm. when when Nita and I, when we were first pregnant, uh, it was. People, no, 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 no. Pet peeve, she was pregnant. Well, it's the royal we. You were both expecting. It's the royal <laughs> Sorry. No. Were you pregnant? <laughs> I, I you look, were not great with child. I'm sorry. Can't, can't you tell I still look like pregnant. it? Yeah, no. I had a friend who said, we're pregnant and I'm showing already. <laughs> yeah, it's, anyway, it's men do sim- show as well. It's but. sympathy <laughs> weight and, and I've carried right, it all exactly. this. Yes. And but, the, anyway, but, continue. But as we got closer, people, well-meaning people would, would oh, this is wonderful. But they were like trying to prepare you that at first it's wonderful and then it's going to suck. And and I isn't that fun? I hated. People, it was so annoying. They do right? that for marriage too. Oh, like, same thing. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are getting married. The first year is going to oh, yeah. be hell. It's but cold. Hang on. Yeah. It's like, Wait till you get over the honeymoon years. Yeah. And then it's the sandpaper year. And sta- <laughs> you know, Nina and I have never run into the sandpaper year. By the way, I, um, but but it, when it comes to the kids, and it's people that mean well, I guess. But every stage, they're like, oh, "How old are your kids?" Great first question, right? And I mm-hmm. tell sure. them they're all two years apart, so I give them the ages. Oh, I remember that that's such a no matter what age i gave that was such a fun time but 
Uh, enjoy it while you can. Mm, wait Hold till them teenagers. Close. They're going to hate you in two years. And every stage, now I realize, you know, we're dealing with people, so there's ups and downs. But every stage gets better and better and better. In our case, with our kids, each of them has just a, an amazingly unique personality that comes with some quirkiness, but comes with great strengths and blessings. And so as their, mm. as parents, we, we they just delight us more and more with each stage. And I guess one of the uh, kind of hitting on that made me think earlier while you're chatting, I want to exhort our listeners, encourage our listeners not just to go hug your kids and say, glad you're mine. I mean, you really are blessed to have these little guys. And some of them are not so little. I go to youth group and I'm looking up at, at some of these kids. They're towering above me. Hi, Trevor. Yeah. yeah they, he's <laughs> the image in my head was him holding this bass, you know? So, um, yes. but, uh, but he it's makes just a bass look like a ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. One of the youth groups, Nita says, leans over to me and says, is so-and-so short? And I said, no, he's just standing next to the Laycock kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, we're, and we're complimenting. We're, we're, we're jealous, yes. Laycocks, of, the, of that, that amazing height. We will always look up to you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, I think for dads out there, it's easy for us to feel mm-hmm. perhaps sentimental or feel genuine sense of gratitude or appreciation or pride in our kids. Tell them. Say the words, mm. guys. I Amen. had I had a dad, still do. Uh, he's praise God. He's in a hospital in Los Angeles as of yesterday. Made it. Was yeah. So that yeah. was okay, that's good. been four months coming, getting his strength up, getting mm. through all the red tape, praise all the God. bureaucracy, all the COVID to get. Uh, for these those of you listening, my dad lives overseas, and the medical care there has nearly killed him. Um, and so mm. we praise God that he's he's sitting in in one of the best medical centers on the west coast right now oh, what a um so not sitting like he's, he's been admitted but uh I, one of the things i remember growing up my as a pastor's kid was how often dad went out of his way to not just he, he felt certain way but to say it hmm. and and there's power in as a as a kid in hearing words of encouragement uh we're proud of you we're proud of this uh and I think generationally, that's awkward for some people. I don't know why, but I think it is. And mm. but yet, that is so meaningful uh, to kids growing up at, at every age to, to yeah. hear that from from your parents. And and so for for me, it's a good reminder as I wrap up here in a little bit, and we all head back to our our, our daily lives into the Thanksgiving holidays. Go tell them, tell them out loud, or write them a note mm-hmm. or something. But it's really important. I think a lot of us say, "Oh, they know." They know I feel this way. Yeah, they do. But what? why can't you say it? And and those words are really powerful. Well mm. said. That's all I had on exhortation. <laughs> no, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I think another thing, uh, I, I know we're probably getting long in time, but anyway, that's all right. That happened uh, a while ago. So yeah, happened <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. So this is like, maybe this can be a two-parter. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, it brought up at the marriage conference again, another thing that Linda and I were just talking about is some of the, the, the challenging times God has taken us through. I think that was one of the questions in there. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe it was something we just came up with, but we were just talking through. People have challenging times? Kinda, yeah, just uh, just... The difficult things that God has taken us through, but you know, I'm 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 thankful for those times when we we've gone through some 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 real challenges just um, in ministry, but uh, but also just personally in our in our family and health and different things. But and how thankful we are for those things because they've brought us they brought us here, you know, and they've brought us to where we're at now. And 
and uh, and and so we can thank God for those. <laughs> during during them, it was much harder, obviously. Um, but but remembering those with gratitude helps us as we face new challenges. And so yeah, just thankful for those things and uh, thankful as well, because God has used those to bring us here yeah, to Valley Bible Church, bring us here to Spokane Valley. Um, we finally, you know, we didn't feel like we fit in initially, but uh, but we're getting there. We're, we're learning more the and more. adjusted. <laughs> it's adjusting to, to the clones arrival. Uh, so, Amen. Oh, Amen to that. Well, that probably is a good... Good yeah. note to land we on could then. keep going I, could. when you're talking about and thanksgiving my goodness there's just more and more i sure god brings oh, more and more things to absolutely. mind um but i think that's that's probably hopefully we've inspired some of our listeners to to yeah to continue take, the conversation yeah and take continue what, with your family take what god's reminding you of and and go go tell these people your spouse your family your kids whoever uh, even if you need to get a, a, open, it's kind of a weird Thanksgiving holiday. Pick your phone up. It works, people. It doesn't just text, by the way. Texts oh. are nice. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> dial the number. Let what? them hear your voice. Telephony sound at a distance. Incredible. Um, mm. For you younger generation, I know you don't use the phone, um, but it is there. <laughs> Do you know what's ironic? <laughs> Most people today use their telephone as a telegraph. Mm. Oh, you're right. You're right. We're going backwards. Interesting. Mm. And not a very good telegraph. But anyway, with that said, <laughs> well, uh, we MOGs we can I am do. thankful for these tools. I'm holding up my phone right now. It's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's probably a good spot for yeah. us to close yeah. up. And, and hopefully our audience can take this and be encouraged and go encourage mm -hmm. others with it. And we are thankful for you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We hope that it is an encouragement to you. We hope you will join us again here on Bombadil's Porch soon. Uh, you can subscribe if you haven't already on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys. Really, that would be a blessing. Uh, if you have even just feedback and comments on things that we could do that would make this more of a blessing to you, uh, let us know if you have questions you'd like us to answer on on our next episode or on an upcoming episode. Please leave us a voicemail. You can do that at bombadillsporch.com. You can also reach out to us at bombadillsporch at gmail.com. And we close today with a, a declaration of praise to God. And uh, for those of you that, that know this, you can join along. Mm -hmm. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to Thee we raise this our hymn of grateful 